Amen, amen. Good morning, City Light. Let me try that again. Good morning, church. People of God are in the room. Spirit of God's alive in you. Jesus rose from the grave. Can we say amen? Amen. My goodness, I'm so excited to be here because I think today uh, the Word of God is going to bless you. Uh, As I've been preparing this week, I've just been thinking, wow, I can't imagine that there will be anyone sitting in the room this morning who will not feel ministered to from the Word of God today. My name is Glenn. I I get the pleasure of serving as one of the pastors here, and um, it is so good to be together. We have been working our way through this book in the New Testament that I would invite you to turn to. It's it's the book of Ephesians. Uh, If you brought your Bible, have a device, go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. This is written from the Apostle Paul to a small group of churches in the metropolitan uh, city of Ephesus in the first century. And uh, here's what we know. We have spent some 15 weeks working our way through this book, chapter and verse at a time. And um, here's, here's what happens in the first three chapters. Paul just spends it blasting Christians with good news. Like, you have been chosen by God. You have been forgiven by Jesus. You, you, um, you literally have your life set on a totally new course. The old self is gone. You've been brought near to God. I mean, it's amazing. You are a, a citizen now of God's eternal kingdom. Can I just like think about that for a moment? You, you are a family member in God's eternal household. Y- your hope is set and secure and assured forever. Thanks to Jesus. Hallelujah. The whole first three chapters are all about your identity in Christ. And listen, the reason that these few chapters matter, the reason that I would say we're always talking about what Jesus has done at this church, we're a Jesus-centered church, is because, here's the thing, you cannot know how to live the Christian life. Are you listening? Look at me here. You cannot know how to live the Christian life if you don't know what a Christian is. You you can't live the Christian life if you don't know what a Christian is. And so it's fitting that Paul would go for three full chapters saying, this is who you are in Christ. And then in chapters four through six, he's saying, okay, here are all the practical outworkings of the good news in your life. Here's how your identity in Christ expresses itself in your life. This is why Paul says to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. It's why he says to put on the new self, to walk as children of light. He says, church, he says, look, here's something to the church. You need to sing songs of praise to Jesus together. You need to share psalms and and hymns and encouragement with one another. He says, church, you need to always be giving thanks to God together. This is who you are in Jesus. And so when we come to the house of God, when we come to a gathering of the saints, the assembly of Christians In an Anchor Point Elementary gym, there ought to be joy in this place because Jesus has done an amazing, miraculous, world-changing, life-changing work among us. Amen? Amen. So here we are this morning, and Paul has gone on to say, hey, here's how it looks in your home life. Here's how it looks in your work life. God has ordered these relationships. Jesus changes these relationships. And now this morning, Paul is going to bring us to to the end of the book of Ephesians. We're going to split it between this week and next week. And he's going to issue a warning. He's going to say, hey, take all of this in, all the good news of Jesus, all you are in him, all the ways that that works itself out in your life. But I need you to to be warned. I need you to know about something. He's going to show us the reality of spiritual warfare. Spiritual 
warfare, that, that living out our identity in Christ will bring with it significant opposition. And I know you may be thinking, bro, um, I still have like donut chunks in my teeth. It took me the first three songs to wake up. I am still realizing right now where I am, and you're trying to talk to me about a spiritual war, okay? I get it. I, I, I get it. I, I want to say this. The answer is yes, I'm trying to talk to you about that. And, and this, this may not be the source material for a lot of like positive and encouraging Caleb songs, okay? But, but it's so important that we, that we talk about this because it doesn't make it any less real. Um, if, if you happen to be here and you're skeptical of like the spiritual realm and, and this kind of stuff, I just want to say that's normal. Do you know why that's normal? Because you're Western. You live in Western civilization. Like the modern era was a real thing that happened in our past and in our history that brought with it like the Enlightenment and and the scientific revolution. And um, listen, from that era came this idea that every answer for man's issues is found in like more education. It's found in more medicine, more social awakening, more, you know, innovation, more technology. And how, like, where has that gotten us? Like, there, there's still war. There's still murder. There's still abuse. Uh, there, there's still, like, a, a million things that are wrong with the heart of man. And, and I, I want to get kind of, like, blunt here for a moment. Um, let me just talk about teens in our country. Um, they are less and less identifying with a biblical worldview like gradual decline and at the same time there is an explosion three to four times the amount of suicidality depression anxiety is anyone else like raising their hand and asking a question why do our children not want to live why uh, are they so stressed and depressed about everything why are they so confused? Why is it so hard for them to live an abundant life? And maybe some of you are here this morning and like it's very hard for you to feel a desire to follow Jesus. Like you dragged yourself to this metal uncomfortable chair in an elementary school gym and, and you believe in Jesus but it feels like there are just spiritual shots getting fired at you all the time. Like you are very apathetic. Um, you're starting to doubt, like, are God's promises a real thing? Is God actually good? Can I actually trust God's word? Um, did Jesus really accomplish everything that it was said that he accomplished for me? What if we're just struggling and limping along and failing not by osmosis, city light? What if a lot of folks in this church feel weak? and ineffective and not excited about their faith in Jesus and their life in Christ. Not just because of physiological or psychological or circumstantial reasons. What if there is more? And so here's what I want to do this morning. I want you to follow along with me as I deliver a message to you that I've titled, Stand Firm. Stand Firm. And what we're going to do is we're going to tackle three things. We're going to talk about who we fight we're going to talk about what we fight, and then we're going to talk about at the end why we win, why we win that fight. And so I want you to open up Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 11, and here's where we're going to go, 11 to 13. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
And I don't know if we have the text up here, but I'll just read it for you. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So let's first talk about who we fight, okay? We're going to talk Satan and demons 101 real quick. It all started with rebellion in heaven. An angel who turned against God and tried to establish his own rule, his own throne, uh, his own kingdom. And a third of the fallen angels we learn from scripture uh, that are now demons like went with him. And Satan was there in the beginning in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve in the form of a serpent. And what does he do? He comes and says, did God really say that? So is doubt. Comes and he says, here's what's going to happen if you, if you say yes to this sin. Deceives. Um, he, he was there tempting Jesus in the wilderness during his life on the earth. He's pictured as a, a roaring lion in scripture. Did you know that? He's pictured as a great dragon in the book of Revelation. Um, he's called the devil, the evil one. And, and Satan and demons have a singular mission. Christian, I so want you to hear this. It is to destroy you. It's, it's to derail and malfunction your faith. It, it is to pull you away from God's purposes in your life. Satan and demons exist literally to destroy the divine plan of God, to, to, to kill God's creation, to kill God's people. Satan hates the church. Satan hates what is happening right here with City Light Bennington. Hates it. Up. Satan's mission is to steal, kill, and destroy the Christian's life, to devour the Christian. And now I want to comfort you this morning. You're hearing this and you're like, whoa. Uh, I want you to know Satan is not God's equal opposite. There are some real like illusions and crazy people, okay? People be crazy, all right, that are out there. Satan is not God's equal opposite. He is created as our demons. They're not all-knowing. They're not all powerful. They can't read all of your thoughts. Nor, let me just put you at ease biblically, nor can they take control of or possession of a Christian. 1 John 5.18 says, We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning for, here it is, God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. Now that's not to say that the evil one can't do anything, but the language that's used there is just to say that he cannot possess, he cannot control. And so additionally, Satan and demons are never to blame for our sin. None of it can be shifted to or blamed on the demonic. In other words, Christian, you can't look at your life and things that you've done and say, the devil made me do it, okay? <laughs> you, you can't place that blame. James 1.14 says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Church, we are responsible for our sin against God. But that being said, here's what Satan does is he plays on, he presses on, he pushes on, he aggravates what's already in our hearts. You got people in your life, maybe at home, maybe in the workplace, you're like, that person has a fix on how to grind my gears. Like some of you are nodding thinking of one of your children right now, okay? Uh, that person at your job that just kind of knows how to push your buttons, right? Um, there's just something that it feels like that, that they live to do that. I want you to know that is child's play compared to our enemy. He knows you really, really, really well. 
and he baits, and he manipulates, and he lies. And so to be here this morning and to minimize the reality and the influence of evil, to minimize the reality and the influence of the demonic, the Bible would say that is to be foolish. I mean, just look at verse 12 of our text this morning, Ephesians 6, 12. Paul elaborates just to emphasize to us how formidable and supernatural Satan and demons are. Are. He says rulers. He says authorities. He says cosmic powers. He says spiritual forces of evil. Back in Ephesians chapter 2, he says Satan is the God of this world, the spirit uh, the, uh, of the air. And so Christians need to know this because of what Paul says. He says we can stand against the schemes of the devil. He says we can withstand in the evil day. So City Light, let me just say something crystal clear this morning, okay? You need to hear this. Christians can come under demonic attack. Christians can come under demonic influence. Christians can get ambushed in many different ways. Spiritual warfare is normative in the Christian life. You may think this is kind of a depressing topic, like why can't we do a sermon series on like coffee mug quotes, okay? And how God is in them, okay? Uh, But I want you to know, what is depressing is trying to live your life without understanding. What's not depressing is God giving us the answers. God giving us the tools. God giving us the way forward. God promising us victory. And so, um, 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul uh, really echoes his emphasis here. And he says, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan for we are not ignorant of his designs. You know what was one of the most offensive things you can call a person today? Ignant, okay? <laughs> when you tell somebody they're ignorant, that is like the worst, that's what highbrow people do, like when they really want to condemn somebody else and just say like, I'm on a totally different level than you are, you are just ignorant. The Bible tells us that we are always at risk of being ignorant. What's the root word of ignorant? We are ignoring spiritual realities. To put it another way, if you are waiting to hover out of your bed and start vomiting and speak like a really angry Morgan Freeman, and that's like how you're going to be convinced that there's demonic influence, you, you have a misconception. And I just want to warn you, I do think that you are vulnerable. I think we're all vulnerable if we will not accept these things and begin to believe in these realities. But here's the good news. You may be falling prey to a bunch of junk right now in the spiritual God wants you to be free. God wants you to be free. And you know what? God has freed you. Do you know what? God can free you. Um, You do not have to live your life unshielded and unguarded from the enemy's attacks. And so we've, we've established like who we fight. Let's talk about what we fight. And this is the part in this morning's sermon where we start to get a little bit personal, okay? Uh, We need to know what are these schemes of the devil? Like what are these designs that we're reading about? What actually are they in our life? And I've been uh, so encouraged by a couple of resources when I've I've studied this over the years. Uh, Thomas Brooks, if you're familiar with him, most of you are probably not. He's a 17th century uh, Puritan author and preacher and he wrote a book called Precious Remedies for Satan's Devices. Um, I would highly encourage any and everyone, write that down, take a note of it, pick up that book What an amazing, amazing book that just helps us become aware of all the different ways that we are tempted and trapped and lured and falsely promised things by the enemy, but then 
those precious remedies are precious indeed. Um, Part of that is the armor of God, which we're going to talk about next week. Um, But what I want to share this morning is what um, has really influenced me. There's a contemporary uh, uh, teacher and author. His name is Alan Parr. He gives a uh, a sevenfold strategy of Satan's attacks, right? And I know that sounds like weird. Uh, Trust me, when I start to to name these things, it's going to go from like weird and kind of out there to very personal to you. I I believe you're going to be able to identify with these things and see that they are not just that you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. There there are things in your life that are actually spiritual forces. Um, And so let's let's increase our awareness. Let me pause right now and I'm going to pray for us. And and here's, pastors never do this. Here's why I want to pray. Can I just share with you like why I want to pray? I don't have any confidence in me sharing these things that that it's just going to like blow up and, and bless your life. I actually think right now that like the enemy hates that I'm even talking about this. I think there's, there's someone and there are forces that are set against the work of City Light Bennington and the people of City Light Bennington. And unless we pro- pause and we pray for a strength that's greater than our own, unless we stop right now and we pause and we pray, God, like pull down my barriers, like get my mind off of other things, like help me to tune in and learn from you and hear from you, um, then, then nothing's going to come of this. We need the Holy Spirit to move and work. So would you pray with me before we dive into this? God, we ask right now, Holy Spirit, for moments of clarity. God, we have been studied. We have been known by this enemy for thousands of years. His tactics are easy for him, like the back of his hand. And I am praying for spiritual awakening in our church this morning. I'm praying that the saints who came in burdened would leave with so many things lifted. I'm praying that people who come in and feel stuck this morning would leave feeling like they are running full speed toward you, unburdened by the work of the enemy. And God, I'm praying right now um, that you would open our hearts and our minds to see that we do have an enemy and we are more than conquerors in you, Jesus. Uh, We are overcomers in you because you finished the battle with your cross and your resurrection. Amen. First tactic of the enemy is that of discouragement. Some of you are here this morning and you don't know Satan, the accuser. His job is to bring up in your thought life all the ways that you have failed and continue to fail. All the things in your life that bring you a sense of guilt, that bring you a sense of shame, and wants to drown you in those thoughts. Some of you right now, you do not feel like you are the best mom that you could be, the best dad that you could be. Uh, Some of you feel like you have said things and and popped off in anger, things that you wish you could take back. Some of you have made decisions in your past that still haunt you and burden you to this day, and I want to let you know the enemy loves that. Um, He wants to remove all courage from you. He wants to take you off the front lines of actually living your life for the glory of God. He wants to remove the cross from view. He doesn't want you to see what Jesus actually did. You may be a person in the room this morning that it's way easy for you to look in the mirror and find criticism immediately come to your mind. It may be easier for you to hold on to criticism that other people say. You know the statistics tell us that kids, young kids, um, for, for every 
for every uh, five words of uh, encouragement that is given to them, that it, it, it equals the same thing in them as one little word of, of criticism and discouragement. Um, and that's just, that's true for us, is it not? Uh, it's very easy for us to be fixated on all the things that are broken and, and marred and all the things that, um, like, we're just, we can get hopeless. We can get into a place of, of despair. And um, there's, there's old pastors and theologians that would say, for every look that you give to your sin, put five looks on the cross of Jesus Christ. Every time you look at your sin, give five looks to Jesus. Because here's the truth about the gospel. Here's why it's good news. Whoever you are this morning and whatever you have done, whatever it is in your heart, your mind that is against God, whatever guilt, shame you feel, Jesus Christ forgives. Um, He actually has God, through his son on the cross, has cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. He's literally tossed it into the depth of the sea. He has put it behind his back and remembers it no more. Is that not amazing news? That feels too good to be true from a holy and righteous God. It's true. It's why it's good news. And so I want you this morning to fix your heart on Jesus' death, his blood, his sacrifice. It really was once for all time. Satan wants to burden you with guilt and shame. Jesus is a shame lifter. He is a guilt lifter. He wants to throw out the life jacket as you're drowning in all of it and pull you. The word of God tells us in the book of Romans, there is no charge that can be made against God's chosen people. The word of God tells us there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Is Satan sowing a ton of discouragement in your life right now? Number two, division. Um, Division, what does it do? It it, it is two different opposing visions. It pulls homes apart. It pulls marriages apart. Division pulls workplaces apart. Division pulls relationships and friendships apart. It pulls people where? Into isolation. Into loneliness into vulnerability for temptation. Um, I want to give you some sobering but also really needed news this morning. You are not like Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise, you know, on like Mission Impossible. You're not a, a, like a, a secret agent movie star that can go rogue in your Christian faith by yourself and figure it out. You're not. Like, God has not created you like that. He has not made you to be someone who tries to walk like alone, privatized with him. He has designed you from birth to be in community, to be in fellowship, to have friendship. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, wisdom for us. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, no one, or one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Can I just point us to this? This is why Paul emphasizes in our passage this morning in verse 12. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Somebody needs to be reminded of that this morning, amen? You do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Believe it or not, church, an alternative to that is that God actually wants his people to have a high morale. He wants his people together. He wants his people to be unified. He wants his people to have a shared vision. He wants his people to be all about living for his glory and in the desire to move toward him, they will find unity. They will find friendship. They will find fellowship. God hates division amongst his people. 
Satan craves it and loves it. And all it will do is serve to derail you and destroy you. Number three, doubt. This looks like doubting God's word. Uh, John 8.44 says that the enemy, when he speaks, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. Uh, I think you would agree with me, not just out there, like in the culture, but everywhere, even in our own hearts this morning, there is quite a war that's happening around this book right here. There just is. We don't have to shy away from it. There are questions about, is this book really without error? Is this book really unfailing? Um, Is this really trustworthy? Uh, Is this inspired by the Holy Spirit? 66 books that we're supposed to be reading telling one unified story that points to Jesus. Um, There's a war on that. And for you to think that's not a spiritual war, I think is silly, right? We have to acknowledge that the enemy has to be a part of that. In fact, Satan works to kill the effect of God's word in people's hearts. Jesus himself teaches in Matthew 13, 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This looks like doubt. Doubting God's presence and power. Uh, Think about doubting God's plans and promises for your life. I think about doubting God's very character, thinking about all the ways that he tells us about who he is. We know who God is, and yet there's so many times in our life where we question, is he really that way? I want to read this to you because I just think it's amazing. First Chronicles 29, 11, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. If you are doubting God's presence and power, that God by his spirit, the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, dwells in you, Christian. That is amazing. Perhaps you're doubting this morning God's provision. Can I just open up the word of God and read to you something right now? This is out of Matthew chapter 6. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, Do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, or how is God going to provide for our family, or how is God going to provide for me, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That leads us to number four, discontentment. If there is perhaps one of these I could pick for City Light Bennington, it is discontentment. I'm I'm taking off the preacher hat and I'm putting on the hat of like a guy that loves you and knows many of you and spends time with you. I cannot tell you how rampant discontentment is in our church. 
There, there's something about desiring to move out to West Omaha and retire at 35 and just secure everything for your little life. Then you get out here and what happens? My house isn't big enough. I need a bigger one. My car is not, not the one that I want. It doesn't have the features that I like. I need another one. Get out here and we say, my, my job, my job that pays me buku money that I get to be generous with, it's terrible. I need to find a new one. Like, what we do is we continue to, to look as if something were to happen in our life and all of a sudden we, we would like find it. We'd find peace. We'd find contentment. I talk to people in our church who literally it's like your life is a constant cycle. And believe me, I'm there too. Uh, of As soon as I get fill in the blank, as soon as we take the vacation, fill in the blank. As soon as we arrive at this season of life, fill in the blank. As soon as fill in the blank, then I'll be okay. Do you know who's behind that? Satan. That's a lie. There is contentment right now, full, like unadulterated peace right now for the people of God, wherever you are, in whatever circumstance you're in. God says, I give my peace to you. It's not peace that the world can give. We are all searching and searching and searching. And then we hop on social media. Get off social media. And we read social media, we watch somebody else in our church or somebody else in our community has this or says this or does this or looks like this or is doing this. Why can't we? Why can't I look like that? Why can't I sound like that? Why can't I be like them? You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. God has created you to be you, not somebody else. Church, wake up. You are discontent because the enemy is making that true of you, sowing seeds of discontentment in us. We look exactly like the watching world. Come on. <laughs> there is nothing unique about the people of God when all we walk around with is discontentment. Can you tell I might have a little burden about this? <laughs> My goodness. I'm not bringing this to condemn. I'm not bringing this to shame discontentment that you might feel. I'm bringing this because God has something so much better for you. Like you do not have to right now in life live with discontentment. Stop chasing it. It can be yours here and now. It already is. Number five is distraction. Again, I think this is so prevalent for our church. We do many, many good things we commit ourselves to many good things. We commit our kids to many good things. We commit our time to many good things. And all it does is distract us from God things. But what I'm not saying is you need to quit your job and become a missionary, okay? I'm not saying you need to stop what you're doing and start working like vocationally in the local church. What I am saying is that if your excuse every time somebody is saying, hey, it would so bless your life, it would draw you close to God if you would just read your Bible, if you would just hear from God, uh, hey, God's called you to be an evangelist, to share your faith, because you have good news to give. Like you've received blessing and grace and mercy on your life, and you're pretending like your neighbor doesn't need it. Like the list could go on and on. If your answer every time is, I'm just so busy. We're, we are just so busy. My job and my kids, we're just so busy. We're in a season. Again, not trying to shame or condemn, but saying, I do think there is someone. There are forces that are behind that. Distraction is huge. 
in the life of God's people. Satan loves it. What can we begin to do to acknowledge seeds of distraction that are being sown in our hearts? Number six is deception. We all are very familiar with this. Satan is known as the deceiver. He's a manipulator. And one of the easiest ways that he can deceive is in the arena of sin. Here's the thing about all sin. All sin overpromises and underdelivers. Can I get an amen? amen? All sin, every way that we live against God, his will, his design, it overpromises and it underdelivers. Um, it may promise a temporary pleasure to us. It may promise something that on the surface looks like it's the, the next best thing, but it will prove to fail us. Um, Satan is a master at presenting the bait and hiding the hook. He's a master at just showing you attitudes and, and, and decisions in your life that like they're not going to have any consequence. They're not that big of a deal. And the wisdom of God would say, pay attention, be alert, be sober-minded. Isaiah 5.20 is such a beautiful but, but honestly uh, needed passage. It says, what sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark. And then here's, here's the one I think we can relate with the most, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. We, we look at the calling of God on our lives and there's something in us convincing us that that's actually not best for us. Like God's ways are actually, there, there are better ways out there. Could the enemy be sowing deception in us? And, and the last one is what all of these contribute to. It's just destruction. <laughs> uh, we get overwhelmed in our life with all of these things and what does it do? It just kills our love for God. It kills our love for Jesus, our pursuit of him. It kills our witness and our representation of God, our trust in God. It can even cause you to, to blow up your life. It can cause you eventually to make decisions and do something that, just, that, that, that can hurt people and, 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 and hurt you. And God does not want that for you. John 10.10 10 tells us the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The question is, do you trust that. I want to just give a shout out to saints here in our church who have followed Jesus for a while and um, saints who have followed Jesus for, for not a very long time. You may have found yourself in the midst of a lot of attacks and schemes and um, maybe you're seeing in retrospect how God brought you through. Maybe right now you're in the midst of something and there is just a resolve in you that says, I'm going to stand firm. Uh, thank you for modeling to the rest of us what it looks like to be under all of this attack, but to trust in God, to trust in Jesus, to believe that God's glory is your good, to believe that the, the gifts that God gives are the best kind of gifts, to believe that the grace that, that God pours out is, is better than anything else, to believe what the disciples believed. Where else would we go? To who else would we turn? You, Jesus, have the words of eternal life. I want to say thank you, church, for persevering. Thank you, for fighting the good fight, for being a soldier in battle, taking up your arms and moving against the enemy. You may not even know that that's what you've been doing. God has been preserving you. Um, I want to close with this, why we win. Not long. Uh, we've established who we fight, what we fight. I want to show you why we win, and I want to do it by way of an illustration. On June 6th, many of you will be very familiar with this, 1944, Allied forces land in France on D-Day. And the success of that battle ensured victory on the Western Front in World War II. 
But I want you to let something sink in real quick. Get this. The Germans didn't surrender in Berlin until May of 1945. Almost an entire year of warfare later. Just, just let that sink in. Even though winning the war was no longer in doubt after victory at D-Day, the Allied troops had to keep going. They had to keep fighting. So it is with the church. The story of the world goes like this, City Light. When Satan first tempted Eve in the garden, God already pronounced his destiny in Genesis chapter 3. He said, he shall bruise your head. Speaking of Jesus bruising Satan's head. And he shall bruise, you shall bruise his heel. In 1 John 3, 8, says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Colossians 2.15 says, And having disarmed the powers and authority, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And at the end of it all in Revelation chapter 12, a picture of all of God's martyrs and all of his faithful saints, they conquered the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Church, Jesus Christ is coming again. Let me say that one more time. Jesus is coming again. He is coming again. And I want you to take heart. Satan's work will come to an end. His destiny is already decided. In the meantime, when you are tempted toward discouragement, toward division, toward doubt, discontentment, distraction, deception, and ultimately all of these things leading to destruction, stand firm. City Light, remember that God doesn't just build an audience. God builds an army, okay? He doesn't just build an audience. Across the world, God is not just building people who sit and listen to someone else talk. He's building an army. He's equipping saints for the work of ministry. He's drawing people into the work of his kingdom. He's drawing people to take up their arms and fight the good fight against an enemy who's already been defeated. That is, do you realize that's what's happening with City Light Bennington right now? From the moment we planted this church, we said we want to take new ground for the kingdom of God. We want to step into this community, this area, because people are having burdens. They're fighting these fights, and they have no defense for it. They're falling prey to, to an evil force, a spiritual force, and they have no defense for it. Here we are, armed with the Word of God, the Spirit of God. What an amazing opportunity for us to minister in real ways to people. Finally, look at the instruction given in Ephesians 6.10. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong literally means be strengthened, right? It's not be strong of your own strength. It's literally be strengthened. Please don't miss this. I know this will be a shot across our pride in the room, church, but we're not strong enough for this battle. Maybe you're feeling that right now. We're not strong enough for this battle. We need to be strengthened for this fight. So Christian, listen, God stands ready to fight for you. So be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Um, next week, okay, I, I don't often do this, we're going to explore the armor of God next Sunday. I hope you'll come back and join us. We're going to look at the specific ways that we actually, we're going to answer not who we fight, not what we fight, not why we win, but how we fight, okay? That's what we have to look forward to next week. But I want to close with something, uh, just an address to people who may be in the room and you are not yet a Christian. Um, you don't yet belong to Jesus. This is not a confidence that you can have. This is a losing battle in your life, and as it stands, you are defeated. 
And I just want to be a voice in your life that says in the end, Satan, the evil one, the great deceiver, and all who reject Jesus will be judged. Jesus himself teaches that every person is a child of evil by choice or they are a child of God by faith in him. So if you're here today, you've not yet let Jesus run your life and you don't want your life blinded, you don't want your life trapped, you don't want your life held captive by evil, I want you to know you don't have to live that life. There is hope for you. There is good news for you. God loves you. God wants to pour his grace and his mercy on you. He wants to deliver you and rescue you from the enemy of your soul who hates you. Turn from your sin and give your life to Jesus. Please understand that he died to forgive your sin. He rose again to give you new life. You don't have to strive to obtain something from God. The good news of Christianity is that God has moved toward you in his son. You don't have to achieve, you have to receive something from God. Would you do that today by faith? Throw yourself at God's feet. Give him your life and learn what it means to walk in freedom. Because no matter what happens tomorrow, for those who I pray would come to Christ today and for every saint that's here in the room, God is in control. God is in charge. He is going to complete the good work that he began in you. He's going to see you through to your destiny. He's going to purpose your life for his glory and your good. He is never going to leave or forsake you. He is not going to let go. John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Friends, I got good news. We have the tools for victory in the here and now. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Let it not fall void on our hearts. And Jesus, fill us with your spirit today. Give us joy in you that we are not prey to the schemes of the devil, that we can be strong in you and in the strength of your might and that it actually makes real change in our day-to-day lives. God, we want to receive blessing from you today. We want to receive lifted burdens from you today, and we know you delight to give it. So minister now as we sing worship to you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.